0: This is Sarcasmic with Daya Lakshminarayanan on Ravishly.com. Welcome to Sarcasmic. Uh, We are talking about the pay gap and negotiating today on the episode. I have a personal connection to this Having negotiated my salary many times, having felt like I was not being paid what I wor- what I was worth, but also uh, having strong women in my family who are very good negotiators. Uh, when my grandmother came to the United States to live with us, we watched Prices Right together and she loved bob barker she uh, she's passed away now but she had such a huge crush on bob barker so we would watch it all the time the thing that she didn't understand about the prices is right is how an entire show could be based on items having a fixed price she was like they should ask you know a lot less for the soap i mean laundry detergent for that so uh that culturally has been something that Nobody, no, none of the previous generations of my family have ever understood that you should pay the price that someone says it's worth. Uh, I think one of the people who is really, really good at this is my mother. Uh, she said that she had to get really good at negotiating when she became a mom because I would never eat and she would have to trick me by showing me things like cartoons or the moon or some flashy object and then get me to sit down and finish my food. And she said that uh, I was a really smart kid and so she had to sort of invent things to keep up with me. I think she's flattering me. I think it was an excuse for her to just uh, uh, lie and deceive me. But uh, she also um, grew up in a large Indian family in India where uh, everyone had their own chores. So she'd be like, okay, I've got laundry duty and you've got this other thing. You know, why don't we swap? And when the swapping would occur, she'd be like, oh, I never said I would do the thing that you swapped me for. So she got really good at that. She had a, a particularly good experience with the stainless steel man and uh he's a very specific individual who has his wares of stainless steel in the town my mom grew up in india and she would go to stainless steel man with a sari that she'd worn and be like so what can i get for this sari and he'd pull out a spoon a stainless steel spoon and she'd be like no no i i'm not going to accept this spoon i can get i can get something much better from stainless steel man number two down the street and then he'd pull out a ladle she's like whatever no i could just give this sari away to someone and it's worth my worth my time and my effort what else you got and then he'd bring out a stainless steel bowl and she'd be like well that's that's not good enough either and finally this this is what she was after the stainless steel box with lid and when that came out, then she's like, all right, we, we've got a deal. My mother learned how to negotiate from her elders. So people would, uh, she would go with, you know, her grandmother who would say things like, hey, you know, you, you can't do this. We're going to go to someone else. And then the guy would be like, oh, no, I'm getting my products from the north and they're superior. So there was a, a back and forth uh, vegetable vendor was a really important person, rice vendor. Uh, he would give my parents extra rice, kind of like a baker's dozen, except there's no donuts in India. Well, there used to not be, it's, it's all rice. So, uh, and then my grandmother would say things like, you should give us more rice because we have so many kids at home and you're actually getting good karma by helping kids. And, uh, But see, I thought that was really, you know, a little guilt trippy, but beautiful. But my mother told me that my grandmother would also put the rice in with water and ferment the rice and then add all these things to it. So she's actually like making her own moonshine of rice to give to rice vendor to get him a little drunk. So they give... Her a good deal on rice. So I learned a lot of things from my mother. Uh, Use alcohol, uh, make people feel a little guilty, and if someone offers you a spoon, hold out for the box with a lid on it. One of the first jobs that my mother had uh, in the United States paid her $7.95. And she said, uh, in a very polite way, it would be nice if you offered me $8.95. <laughs> and they agreed. And I said, well, wh- how did they agree? And it was, she was, um it was the 70s and she was working as a key punch operator. And I, I don't even know what that is. I, I mean, this is like pre-iPhone, definitely pre-PC. Uh, pre- it was like, pre-Tandy 2000. It was like back in the day, I think maybe Blaise Pascal had just recently passed or something, but it was like ancient times. And there would be all these like cards that you would put in with different holes and they would be read by this machine. And so her job was to feed these cards. It was kind of not hard labor, but I'm sure it wasn't that fun for her to do. And uh, this particular person who hired... These women to be key punch operators uh, hired a lot of um, women and uh, immigrant women, minority women as well. And my mother got eight ninety five by saying, "Well, you're paying seven ninety five for my colleague who is Chinese, and uh, I actually speak English because India was a British colony, so you should pay me dollars So she used uh, internal racism to get a dollar extra. And uh she also after I was born she saw that a two bedroom had opened up and they didn't have any money. They my dad uh you know was had a low paying job. My mom was feeding punch cards into a machine and uh then I was born and so she used her negotiating strategies to be like I need this two bedroom instead of this one bedroom. Because you haven't rented it out to anyone. And then she said yes. And my dad was extremely impressed. So she's always done the negotiation. When we lived in Alabama, we got some Mardi Gras beads from our friends in New Orleans. And I was like, we have like 20. What am I going to do with all these? I can't trade them for anything. So my mother took them to India and she traded people American plastic Mardi Gras beads for Whatever I don't like little trinkets. She was able to get someone to come to the house to uh, to to clean the front porch, all because of plastic. She, so she was like skilled. Let's just call this international trade. The my favorite story is uh, I had a lot of embarrassment when I was a teenager, like many teenagers, and there was something back in the day called a CD store. And I'm sure a lot of people are fascinated by this. It's um, you know you know think of like uh, like Edison and Alexander Graham Bell, like kind of like you might read about it in the history books or see it at the Smithsonian. But this CD store uh, sold old CDs and new CDs, and if you bought an old CD, you could not return it because once you buy it, that's it. And I bought it, and I I bought something. I don't remember what it was. Probably I was trying very hard to be cool, so it was ACDC, and I, I, I didn't like that music. So I brought it home, and it had a scratch, and half the songs were messed up. And I was like, oh, man, I spent my allowance money on this. I was really unhappy. I told my brother. He was like, well, you know how it goes. You can't return it. So... I said, hey, mom, I I have a big favor to ask. Can you return this CD for me? Because A, they say no returns, and you never take no for an answer. B, I'm, I'm ashamed to go in and ask. So I waited in the car. She went in with my scratch sh- CD, and she came out with cash in her hand. Because who's going to say no to like a chubby... Immigrant lady who uh, who treats you like stainless steel vendor. Like she she has she doesn't differentiate if there's a sign that says absolutely no refunds or exchanges. She thinks that applies to other people. So the, one of the first things I learned was you can't have shame and you have to just hang in there. But you also have to give other people what they want, whether it's alcoholic rice toddy. Or some people just enjoy the back and forth. I've tried to get better at negotiating in my professional life. And uh, this woman named Linda Babcock, she's at Carnegie Mellon University, she found that only 7% of women attempted to negotiate their initial offers, while 57% of men did this. And uh, it's interesting because I'm like, well, do women just be like, okay, that's fine. I'll just take what I'm given, or is there something inherent about that interaction where women just feel like they can't? So I did a little bit more digging, and uh, uh, oh, this woman named Hannah Riley-Bowles, she's she's at Harvard, Harvard's Kennedy School of Government, and she's the director of this thing called the Women in Power Program, which, which sounds cool, like, I just think of, like, you know, like, bots walking in, like owning their femaleness, maybe being loud, like pounding their fists on the table. And she said that uh, people penalized women who initiated negotiations for higher compensation more than they did for men. So if you're a woman, you're already thinking, maybe I shouldn't push harder. Or maybe you're thinking, I should be happy with what they're giving me. But if you decide, you know what, this isn't a good offer, I think I'm going to push – you might be penalized. And uh, Ellen Pau, who is no longer at Reddit, when she got to Reddit, she decided to ban all salary negotiations as a CEO. She's like, we're not going to have anyone negotiating their salary, men or women. And a uh, few people at Google have talked about this as well, that it's better to determine what the job pays and then just interview people for that so that salary negotiation is just taken out of the picture. Because when we do that, then we don't have to do this thing where we have to go back and adjust everyone's salaries. And Mark Benioff, uh, CEO of Salesforce, just did that. He and Salesforce spent $3 million to bring the salaries of female employees up to the level of their male counterparts. Can you believe that they went through every single person's salary and was like, "Well, you know, is what what about this job? How many women do we have? How many men do we have? Whoops, it looks like we're paying the women significantly less." He spent 3 million dollars having to do this, which which tells me that the pay gap between men and women is not a myth. And let me add pay gap between men and women is something that a lot of people talk about. Just know that the pay gap for women of color is even huger. Uh, Women over 40, the pay gap just gets huger and huger. So Benioff of Salesforce says, we can say we pay women the same that we pay men. We looked at every single salary. That's fascinating to me. That must have taken forever. But Benioff is someone who, who cares about the social impact of his company. Uh, you may remember that when Indiana came out with the their anti-gay policies, he pulled his employees out of Indiana or said, we're not going to do business there. So it sometimes takes a CEO to say, you know what, we're not going to do this. But most companies, there's a back and forth. They're like the stainless steel vendor who is like, okay, I'm going to say this. They're going to say that. I'll do this. Maybe there's something about that back and forth that tells employers, well, this person is going to be great at their job if they can push me and I can push them and we can have a back and forth. I saw a lot of people on the internet, on podcasts, on television, some on Fox News, saying that this pay gap between men and women is false, that... When you normalize for things like union membership or if you uh, normalize for things like maybe women just don't uh, work in professions that pay a lot like STEM or engineering or uh, other things that, you know, traditionally bring in more income. Or maybe women work fewer hours because they're taking care of kids or, you know, whatever. Women are lazy. Whatever people are saying uh, there is mythology out there that maybe this pay gap is false, maybe it doesn 't really work. Uh, I went to an organization called the a a u w the American Association of university women uh which which is kind of a funny anachronistic name it 's like well, we went to university, but they said um the pay gap has barely budged in a decade, and at the current rate, the gap won 't close for another hundred years uh they say that women in every state in the United States experience the pay gap, but in, in some states it's worse than others. This pay gap hurts women because now women have to struggle to pay off student loans. Men have to do that too, but when you're being paid less, it takes you longer to catch up. And it's almost the same across all occupations. There's there's some kind of interesting thoughts on this because the Washington Post uh talked to the union that represents journalists like journalists for the Wall Street Journal, Market Watch, and Barron's. And uh, they talked about Dow Jones, who was the parent company. And they said that they, um, that male staffers with up to five years of experience earn on average 13.5% more than female staffers. So we can see this in journalism. Uh, you may remember a couple of years ago the Sony uh, leak leak where people could hear what, you know, people could read what people were saying and it was all gossipy and, you know, there was all this stuff. Well, part of that leak was when Jennifer Lawrence was being paid less in American Hustle than Bradley Cooper. I mean, at that point, I think Bradley Cooper, good-looking man, very talented, but I think he did like a Hangover movie maybe, But and Jennifer Lawrence is this amazing actor who in her own right... Had box office hits. So we see this across the board. So, so women now have a couple of choices. One, in salary negotiations, women can go hard, be like a man, lean in. You, you get it, girl. Ask for what you want. But the trade off, and a couple of studies have shown that when women act like that, people don't want to work with them. The, Offer could be pulled. You're perceived as not a team player, uh, whereas there's not that penalty for men. So you could go in and try, but the risk is, You know, when people say, what's the worst that could happen? They say, no, 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 no. It's not that. The worst that can happen is they rescind the offer. The worst that can happen is you join and they give you that salary. But people talk behind your back or like, well, she's kind of tough. She's difficult. She's kind of a prima donna. She asks a lot of things. So that's one Uh, The second thing is that women could just be happy with what's offered to them and just hope and pray that it's fair and they're being paid the same as their male counterparts, which many, many studies and statistics show that this is not the case. And, uh, And it might be one of those things where it's hard to explain. It's like sexism, racism, transphobia, homophobia, anything like that. You know it. You feel it. And then yet people say, well, you know what, well, the, the that gap is just overstated. I, I think it's really happening, and we'll see more and more that there's some implicit bias around women asking for what they're worth. The times that it has been successful, for example, negotiating for a used car or getting what you want, people have shown that when women act more feminine, flirt, uh, laugh, toss their hair, act agreeable as women should... And then push back on a number or a good or a service, then women are more likely to get what they want. But you kind of have to be like, well, that salary is a little low, sir. Thank you. You know what? You're really sweet. Can we talk about a different rate? So uh, people have said that when you negotiate like a woman, not like a man, and it may be acting, quote unquote, more feminine, I don't know what that means, that women are more likely to get what they want. As for me, I have done both. I have played it really hard and asked for what I'm worth and said, okay, fine. I, I have an alternative. I'm, you know, for me, having an alternative and not being desperate is when I've often gotten what I wanted. Uh, occasionally, I have said in salary negotiations, all right, I trust you. If this is the best you can do, and then I later find out I'm being underpaid. So I went back to my mom, who is a software engineer now, after back in the day being paid 7 eight ninety five 8 95 an hour. I said, well, mom, when you got this offer to be a software engineer, did you negotiate hard? Did you push back? Or did you use the same techniques that you used on stainless steel man? And she said, no, for my salary, I thought, maybe this is the rate I deserve, and I don't really have that many skills, and I am kind of an older person in the workplace, so I didn't push harder. And I said, yes. And I asked her, do you think that you're being paid the same as one of your male colleagues? She said, no, I'm pretty sure I'm not. So even the best negotiators I know, when it comes to salary, there's something about the way that we women are and the way society is and the responses we've gotten when we negotiate that sends a signal that maybe we shouldn't ask for what we're worth. I hope that changes. And I think one of the ways that we change that is if you're in a position of hiring someone, Set the rate, and there's no back and forth. There's no rice toddy. There's no spoon, ladle, bowl, box. It's all just one number. And that's when fairness can come back into the workplace. This has been Sarcasmic with Daya Lakshminarayanan on Ravishly.com. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes.